you know, everything from this point on, just assume it's going to be on the phone call. And then I'll cut it off at a really, at a natural point that it kind of feels like a cold open. Sure. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, I don't know. Have you been (laughs) reading at all? Do Do you read in quarantine? Uh, am I reading in quarantine? Are you reading? Are you a reader? You strike me as yeah. a reader. Yeah, I read a lot. I've been reading. <laughs> I bought three self-help books over quarantine because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't work on comedy. So I need to like have a project, you know, women like we need to fix things. And I don't own a home. So I'm like, OK, let me just try to fix myself, <laughs> which is kind <laughs> of the last thing. <laughs> so uh, what books have you read? What are the books? What's the last one? Um, you what are you reading? The- the one I'm reading currently is called The Human Magnet Syndrome, and it's about how people with codependent personalities, like I kind of identify as a codependent, yeah, 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 and yeah. then that dynamic as long uh, that goes with the polar opposite personality, which is narcissistic, and like kind of how they uh, feed off into each other. Absolutely. Do you... Yeah, I don't know about your dating history, but I've oh, always dated horrible. addicts. It's not good. So, I... <laughs> yeah, it's like... I kind of identify with that and I'm like, ooh, I need to not date addicts as much as I do. Addicts, like addicts to a specific substance, like alcohol mostly, or? Alcohol, hard drugs, like pretty much anything that's like really like obsessive behavior. Like, have you dated alcohol, like people who are like addicts, but it's no, maybe I, not I necessarily wanna, like, like I would like alcohol. to put it out there. I mean, I, I think I'm a codependent. I think I have codependent tendencies, but would you say there's like mm-hmm. a codependent personality type and a narcissistic mm-hmm. personality type? And in that scenario, the, the version of myself that I'm the, I'm the narcissist addictive type. Like, uh, oh, okay. I like, I mean, I smoke 90 cigarettes a day. I, I've had a drinking <laughs> problem on and off my whole life. I literally like cannot keep marijuana where I can access it without like I have to blockade myself from it because I will just like wake up and start using it so I, I I'm very much the narcissistic addictive type why, See, why are they supposed to be drawn to each I mean that makes a lot of sense to me but just like why, why well, are they supposed to be drawn to each other it's like the theory behind the base of because I identify as a codependent I'm not necessarily like addicted to substances but it's like I overwhelmingly want to people please and like you know go out of my way to like do things for others that Mm -hmm. you know aren't within boundaries and then ignoring my own needs so it's like that's like traditional characteristics of like a codependent person and then like they feed off the narcissist because narcissists demand everything from someone usually and then they also like if they're addicts they're obviously it's like a chaos and codependents are constantly trying to fix and take care of so you're constantly responding to that chaos and you think it's like this crazy intense of like emotional high and low of a relationship that makes it seem exciting but really it's just very unhealthy yeah that, so, I mean, I, yeah that's 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 so crazy and it's it's so weird that you're being like so honest with yourself about that dating pattern because i think i think i'm hitting that phase like i'm coming into the beginning of whatever it is where you're like oh my gosh i could not be in a decent relationship and then like like half of that has to be me that's kind of hard to like process yeah it's definitely hard and it's like i'm 28 and it's like i genuinely do want a good partner but and not that the people who i haven't dated weren't trying their best to be good partners per se but it's like i always found myself being like 
very resentful and unfulfilled and feeling like I was never getting my needs met. And it's like, I have to look inward. I'm like, well, why am I feeling these things? So I like was kind of like doing some research online and I found some codependency, like anonymous groups. Yeah. And so I've like kind of joined those groups and started doing like, I bought Al-Anon anonymous book to like, kind of like work through a 12 step program Mm -hmm. because I'm like, really, it's like at the end of the day, what I put out there is what I'm going to attract. So if I really work on myself to like, you know, not deny the, you know, the things I don't like about myself and I try to embrace them and change them in the ways that I can. It's Mm -hmm. like that to me, it's like, Oh, I'll get someone back like that. So I was like, I really need to focus on that. And with no comedy, I'm like, well, what else am I going to (laughs) do? Yeah. So, so yes, I have an interesting question. So if you identify personally, and I don't think you're a narcissist because like just meeting you and knowing you, you're very like introspective and you're very kind and you always ask about people and you're very like, I've never had a bad experience. I don't know anyone who's had a bad experience with you that Uh, I can at least recall. Um, I'm sure we'll talk shit behind your back later, but uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, But you don't strike me as that. So that's very interesting to me that you see that about yourself or think that I think, well, so this is what I'm really coming to terms with. Um, this is like kind of weird is like I have a I have bipolar disorder. So my mood swings a mm-hmm. lot. And the other thing is, is I, I don't know if it's because I have bipolar disorder or if I was like misdiagnosed. I don't really, it just seems like anytime I go see a different doctor, they want to slap like three different letters on me. I started to kind of feel that way. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm not saying that nobody should seek help or anything. It's just, I started to get really frustrated with that process. Yeah. But, uh, I have a lot of like obsessive compulsive tendencies especially when it comes to relationships and it's like mm-hmm. it there's a lot of catastrophizing and just like i guess like what like it's like you're saying i just allow myself to feel this place where my needs aren't being met and i just feel like in a relationship i start to have this sanity slippage where it's just it's constant crisis mode it's constant like arguing and just like trying to like i don't know what it is it's kind of i guess it just i see myself as once i get into a place with somebody who i'm comfortable with and yeah. we're like, we're giving and taking like that. I just mm-hmm. become very comfortable taking more than I'm giving. And see, that's the thing. It's like, that is something that I think, I guess maybe people who self-identify with that, like characteristic, like narcissistic traits. Yeah. I think that taking is definitely a part of that. Mm-hmm. But also the thing is, it's like, I don't believe a true narcissist would ever uh, admit that they're a narcissist. Like uh-huh. that's kind of something that they have like such low self-worth, but they exhume this bravado of being like so important uh-huh. that if you have that vulnerability to admit that you're a narcissist, uh, that's against the exact pr- bravado they like project out. So I don't think that you necessarily are, but I'm also not a psychologist. Yeah. But back about your experience though, with going to like a psychiatrist or a psychologist, I don't know which one you've gone to before. But if you're so if you're receiving medication, I used to work at a psychiatric office. It was like an outpatient psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times they will for to train the symptoms you say you're experiencing. A lot of times they will come up with these like sub diagnoses. So you can with your insurance get that prescription covered. Yeah. So to me, I'm like, I hate that, though, because. Now you, like you said yourself, you're feeling like you're being diagnosed with like three new different things. And you're like, I don't think that's it. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm like, I feel like our medical system's so fucked up. 
that yeah, well, maybe I mean, that's the only way the doctor could get you the medication they believed you needed. There's definitely a part of me that felt like I'm so aware that so much yeah. of the health system is built to chase profit that as soon as I sort of feel like that what was going on with me, I've reacted to it very harshly. I was like, I'm not going to be, you know, I don't want to take part in that part of this or whatever. Yeah. So there was, you know, but th- this is really, really intense stuff. You're c- yeah. coming out swinging. <laughs> so yeah. you said you said that you want to talk about how we met. I want to talk about how we met because I don't know if you remember, but we met uh, from what I remember, we met at one of those JJ pizza shows that Wes Corwin puts on. Uh huh. I've never been on you, one of those shows. You showed up there one time and I had, it was like after one of the shows and I went upstairs to get pizza and you were, you didn't know me and you were so nice and like genuinely complimentary. And you're like, I really like your perspective. I think you're really funny. You're like, I, you know, I think you're very talented. And at first I have to admit, I was a little thrown off because most men are not out there being so nice and complimentary to someone they just met that in my head, I was like, is this guy trying to fuck me? (laughs) 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 I know you weren't like, I know you're a genuinely kind person, but like when you first said it, it threw me off so much. I was like, Whoa, a guy being genuinely nice. I get that a lot. (laughs) And I, I, you know, I think, I think part of that is I'm, I'm kind of nervous about how I come off. Like, especially like visually, I very much strike the, uh, the visual stereotype of like the loner white male. So I do a lot of like fighting through that when it's socially, but, um, I also just thought it was, I had never seen your set before and you were Mm -hmm. on that showcase and you did it. I think I remember this. You did a pretty good job, but you know, was I drinking? Was I drunk? (laughs) I don't remember you drinking. I didn't remember you having a drink in your hand, but I don't know if you had actually drank well, that night or not. You know, JJ's, their beers are so expensive. You can't really get that drunk there anyway. <laughs> you really can't. But I mean, it is a cool little venue. Oh, I do like that it's underground kind of reminds me of the comedy cellar in that way. Yeah. But I do like that about it. But it's yeah, you were so nice spots. that like, and you've always been that nice to me that I'm like, wow, like I just really genuinely adore Colton. Like Colton <laughs> is so nice. I try to bring positivity. Well, that's cool. I mean, I thought it was, I thought you were going to be like, when you said earlier, we're going to do a story about how we, how you, how we met. I was like, oh my God, I was probably like really drunk. And I said something embarrassing, but the fact that it was just like, <laughs> I just wanted to talk about how nice you were. That's amazing. No. Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm not above talking about people's worst moments to them. What? I definitely can do that. But <laughs> I know I know because sometimes I feel like with podcasts, you don't always know the people like what they're like outside of this. And it's like, I feel like at least your listeners should know you're like, you are really genuinely like funny, nice dude. <laughs> That's really nice of you to say. Uh, have you ever had a bad experience with a booker like that, where there it's like you're—I mean, somebody's being greasy or just treating you disrespectfully after a show? Like, have you ever uh, had? Do you have any horror stories? I don't have any stories that I can remember. I had one guy kind of like block a door when I was trying to leave one time, and mm. that kind of like bothered me, and I got out of there. But like, as far as like bookings go, um, uh. I've had people not pay me before, and and then I've had people who were like very um, lackadaisical with time and not putting on a show that was like respectful of performers time. Like one time I was at this show in Denton and I mean, Denton's a college town. No one's experts, but this guy, like the show was an hour and 40 minutes starting late. And this was on a Friday night. And I was like, Hey dude, like 
I got to go. Like, I don't live in Denton. I live in Fort Worth, but there's a mic in Dallas or a Plano that I want to go to. And it was just like, I felt like a dickhead kind of like with people like that. But I was like, you're running a show and you're an hour and 40 minutes behind. Yeah. What are you doing? Uh, yeah. So, was I, that... I felt bad, but that's like, I haven't had like quote unquote terrible experiences. Is that a comedy competition? What venue was it at? It wasn't a competition. No, it was at some like random show at killers. I think it was around early February, that's I believe. Crazy. Maybe late January. I'm not quite sure, honestly. There is a problem with that in Denton where you run into so many people who book, especially like when I was doing the craft house, we interacted a lot with the noise scene. And yeah, I mean, those guys don't have anything to do except for like squirt Coke after the show. You know, those, yeah, the noise guys. But no, this guy, like he wasn't like inherently like rude and like dickish but it was just very much like i'll start things whenever i want to start things and i was just like oh hey that's not really really like respecting performers time i showed up here on time yeah you know like you expect that from me so it's like it kind of just wasn't like the line lineup for what expectations were weren't great but (laughs) i was like so pissed off because i have like compulsions where it's like if i'm late i'm gonna get super angry and it's like i can never be late to things and the fact that someone else was late, I like was kind of like, hey, dude, if you run shows like this, people are never going to want to you know, like do those you. shoes again. And I felt like a dick saying it. But I was like, hey, no one's going to tell you, dude, but people won't want to do this Like, yeah. if you're that laxadaisical about things. Well, that's good. I mean, I feel I've been in that situation before, too, where like the show is just starting way too late or like, you know, the the, the guy who booked it is isn't honest or whatever. And I yeah. was I, I was much more passive in that situation and just kind of being like, oh, well, you know, we'll get it together. And, uh, you know, I believe in this. I, I've, yeah. had, I've, I've had some pretty bad experiences, though. I did a music festival once and we show up and they were like, you were supposed to bring your equipment for your stage. And I'm like, bro, I'm I do not think that you communicate that to me. So then we had to drive back across, get sound equipment from my buddy's house, bring it back, set it up. And then they wound up. <laughs> Like nobody attended the festival because it rained all day, so we didn't even really get paid that much. So wait, were you in a band or were you doing comedy there? I was doing comedy, so it was like there was a rap, hip hop, slash, metal stage for this little festival they set up, and they asked me to host that stage because all the other ones were like, you know, for all families, but this sure. was the one stage that was marked off as like this is adult a content only. So that's the one they yeah. put me on and they, you know, the the schedule was a little bit looser and then we would have to be quiet because we were in the same building as the main stage. So there were like hours where we couldn't be as loud as the other bands. So they just had, they asked me to stand there and do comedy, but then there were so few people that showed up to this damn festival, quote unquote, Yeah. that it was mostly just me and my friends hanging out. Wow. So that is wild to me. Like they asked you to bring your own equipment. Well, like... They didn't ask us to bring our own equipment. We showed up and they were like, why didn't you guys assume that you would need to bring your own equipment? It was really unprofessional, but that's you... a, like a fire festival, like type of local thing. Like, yeah. no, you should know to bring all your own stuff. It's like, you're putting it on though. So I don't know what you thought. That's yeah. That's so weird. So your true crime fix is it books, podcasts, movies, shows? What do you what do you what's what are you mainlining to get this true crime stuff in? 
I love true crime and I have a couple bits that I've written about true crime that do pretty well, but like, I'm just obsessed with it. But what I don't understand is, and I, this is why I wanted to ask you this. Cause I feel like you could give like a decent perspective and uh-huh. a like honest review. It's like, why do men show such a disinterest in true crime? Like, 70% of true crime readers are women. And so it's like, I didn't know if you could tell me why you thought maybe men would be so disinterested in true crime. Well, I mean, to be honest, a lot of it is like kind of frightening and off-putting, but mm-hmm. not, it doesn't threaten me. Like often it just makes me uncomfortable because it's like, oh, the one guy in this movie that looks like me is running around chopping everybody up. All these like skinny, sexy people. I don't know. I, I, I could think about that. Maybe it's just not as scary to men. You know, it's not, there's not something about it that's as quite as invigorating if you're a man. Like, if you're a woman, I would imagine yeah. if you're reading about, like, people getting locked up and, you know, sexually assaulted yeah. and, like, murdered. Like, I don't really, it's the same thing. It's like when I go for a jog at night, I don't, I just bring my keys. You know, I don't have to have, yeah. like, a phone. I don't have to have, like, pepper spray. I could just walk around all night. And like, when you, when you said, when we were talking, you said, oh, these movies I see where it's like guys that quote unquote look like me and then like hot skinny people. Do you feel like maybe as a man that you don't, maybe you're not interested in true crime because it's like the bad guy is always a guy or usually a guy. And it's like, kind of like, I don't want to hear over and over like bad stereotypes about you know, men that maybe you don't believe. I guess I would. Cause that's more what say, I feel like you're putting like those things are some, kind of putting that narrative on men. Maybe yeah, sometimes I definitely feel that way. Like, well, like I, you know, throughout my life I've been acting and stuff and I've always had one, like one of the comments I'll always get if people talk about me and acting in the same sentence, they'll say, Oh, you'd play a great serial killer. And it's like, that's Whoa. a really nice way to just tell me that you think I'm terrifying looking. Like, I've gotten that a that, lot. And you know what's funny is, like, I've done one big TV job, and it was I played a serial killer, like, on TV. That was the biggest thing I've ever gotten, and it just kind of felt like, well, of course I can audition for this. It's the one thing I can audition for that I might actually get. I've always felt like, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be in a Disney movie. I'm going to be a... So I think maybe that's it. Like, it's kind of like... But there's also, like, um, especially with the rape stuff, when I read yeah. that stuff, it's like... It's 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 like scary and it's off-putting but it's not like viscerally horrifying for me because it's never gonna happen to me yeah really like it's harder i think that makes sense and like i now that you're saying this and being like well people have compared me to serial killer and then i got on this tv show where i played a serial killer to me that would be if someone said that to me, like in that like weird, insulting, like stereotyping way, mm-hmm. I would be so offended. Like <laughs> you're mean, a stronger person because you're just like, I'll take it and I'll do it. But yeah. I was like, oh wow, like that's so rude of people to say to you. I mean, I don't know. That's like an overweight thing too. I think people like people will like make jokes about you being overweight or whatever and you you know, if you're like if you've been doing it for twenty years, you're just like, Yeah, I know you see me that way. I mean, there has to be stuff like that, too. Like, you know, like people have to like say like, oh, Emily, you look like you like complain at restaurants. And it's like, wow, that, that like, really hurts. And you just summed up a lot about me. But also it just like I mean, I get the general stereotype that I fit into that you're kind of like talking about. So, I can't, yeah, you know what I mean? That's funny because I go out of my way consciously. And I mean this sincerely 
I will not complain at a restaurant because I know <laughs> it's true. I, I know people think that about me and it's like, they act like it. They're like very much like, yes, ma'am. Like, okay. Yes, ma'am. And I'm like, <laughs> I understand that I look like I'm going to lose my shit over not having a diet Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Like I know I'm going to I look said like no that. whipped cream. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's like, I explain because the nicer I am, you can feel them relax. Yeah. I can feel waiters relax because I'm not demanding and I'm saying please and thank you. Well, it's them. like I've worked in a lot of restaurants and I hate doing the thing. I hate when I have a table and I walk up and within the first five minutes they do the thing where they're like, oh, and I'm in the service industry too. So just know we're going to take really good care of you because it feels like they're like trying to set me up to give them really good service or something like I'm supposed to like, oh, OK, oh, well, yeah. if you've had this, if you've made a pancake before I have to treat you with more respect. And it's like, it's really my job to treat. But when I go to restaurants, I, I wind up doing it just cause I'm like, I can <laughs> like you see a shift on somebody. I remember one time uh, me and my, an ex-girlfriend of mine, we went to IHOP and it was like two in the morning and we walk in and there must've been like 50 fucking people in this IHOP. And there's one waitress on the floor. And oh she, my God. We sat there for like 15 minutes. Mm hmm. And we were like, you know, we had like managed to get to the IHOP. We weren't really in a condition to go restaurant hunting. So <laughs> <laughs> we just sat I've down. been in those situations where you just managed to get to somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like, like this is my goal. I'm going to get there. I'm going to drink three coffees, four waters and eat a bunch of scrambled eggs. And then I'll be able to get home. That's my plan. But uh, yeah, we were sitting there for like 15 minutes and she walked up to us and she was like, I'm so sorry. y'all. it's really busy. And I just like loudly, I was like, dude, this is fucking awesome. I can't believe you made it over here. Like just trying to like <laughs> power her. But you oh know, my gosh. I don't know. So I get that when you walk into a restaurant, you always want to like, because you know that you could be perceived as like, you know, because people think I'm grumpy. So then I have yeah. to like, ah, no, I promise I'm being nice right now. <laughs> I just, I don't I totally get that. The funny thing that what you just said about IHOP, it's like, if I was in that situation, that would be the most fun thing to me. Like I love going to places like that where it's a little bit of that chaos and it's a little bit more anonymous and you can sit with people that you really enjoy and like just talk and shoot the shit for a while. Yeah. Like I think that is so fun. I was genuinely thinking about this the other night where I was like, man, what would be a good date? Cause this is how lonely I am <laughs> to go on with a guy. And I thought I was like, I would love to go to a Denny's or an IHOP late after a show or a mic or something and just sit and talk on the same side of the booth. I was like, that sounds so lame. Just sit but there it would for be, like two hours. Yeah. A bunch of and coffee. just eat shitty breakfast food, drink coffee and just talk about nothing. It's always the best. Like a... It's always the best feeling when you've been talking to someone, you're like on a date. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever had this moment, but I pull out my phone like halfway through a date and I realize I have like four unread text messages and I'll be like, oh, yes. shit, this is a really good date. Like, this is going well. It's so nice. Like, I genuinely when I was dating people before this quarantine, mm -hmm. I would not look at my phone on purpose. Like I had a time frame of like when I had to go do things, but I would not look at my phone on purpose because I would really then truly be present and they I would really get to know if I like them or not. Yeah. Like absolutely. we're always like half-assed looking at our phones and being distracted. But sometimes it's like certain things like about that person gets lost in the shuffle mm -hmm. and your moments aren't always present. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I love moments like that where you're just like not looking at your phone and you're like, Oh, I can really, 
understand this person and try to like see if I like them and want to spend time with them, not just being distracted and being like, Oh, I guess that was an okay date. It's like, <laughs> no, I really don't want that. Like we've all been on those dates. Yeah. People are on the phone and it sucks. And the third date like, sucks just as bad, but you still always go on it. Cause there, there's never a bad date. You know what yeah. I mean? I feel like even like I had a, I've had a couple dates where it's like, they're just bad. Like, Oh my gosh, I don't want to go. Like, it's not even personal. I dated this, I went on this one day with this girl and we went, we had Thai food. I bought that. Yeah. And then we went to somewhere else. We, I thought we were hitting it off. Like we were doing, we were hanging out. It was really fun. And then two days yeah. later I said, Hey, I just got done performing at this mic on the square. If you want to come hang out. And she came and mm-hmm. hang out that night. And just like, I don't think we said two words to each other the whole time. It was horrible. I'd be like, Oh my God. And then at one point, I just turned her like, you know, we were just kind of like sitting in. I think we were with a group of people and then two of the people went to the go to the bathroom. So we were kind of alone for a second. And I just said, well, this is like a bad date, huh? And she goes, yeah, I'm not having a very good time. And then a couple minutes later, she goes, she like pretends to get a phone call. (laughs) And she walks up and (laughs) she says, hey, my friend is really sick, so I have to leave. And I just said, I didn't like say anything to her. I was like, okay, have a good night, you know, because I'm not trying to make it weird. But then, like, sure. a- after a second, I was like, why would, why didn't she just walk away when I said, this is a really bad date to her like five minutes ago? She like, then she was like, now I have to lie to get out of this. I feel like you could have just, we both acknowledged this has been a pretty terrible date. You can just leave. Oh, <laughs> that's so weird to me. It's funny to me, though, that you brought up that when you said the first date, you're like, we went out for Thai food. I paid for that. Like, that is such, like, a kind of, like, I'm, like, a man being, like, hey, I'm following the rules. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. And, like, then this weird thing happened, which I totally get. But if I was – this is what I've started doing as an adult, and I wish more women would do this because I think this at least makes both parties feel a little bit better. But I was, like, when I go on a date, I will never go on a date with a man if I can't – the place we're going if I can't pay for it. Because well, I'm not going to be in a situation where some his car gets declined him or whatever. Like I'm never going to be in that situation, so I'll say no to dates if I can't afford them. Well, and it then, wasn't that it wasn't that she asked me to pay for it. It was just like you know I just picked up the check first. I don't know oh, why I brought okay. that up. I guess I was just you know trying to say like. <laughs> oh no! I know you're being like a gentleman. You're like I'm taking a girl out. Like I feel like I should. Yeah. Like I know that's what you mean. But when I'm having a really bad date and I'm with a guy and I know I don't want to see him again. I will pay for the date. Like I will insist on it that way. When I tell him, I don't want to see him later that I don't feel (laughs) bad. Like, I don't feel like he can say to me like, Oh, you used me for dinner or you used me for drinks. You're just covering all your bases. I am literally, that's how guilty and codependent I am. That I'm like, (laughs) I want him to not feel bad when I tell him, after I paid for the date that I don't want to see him. I can't let him buy me one sandwich or else I'm going to have to have three of his kids. I, that's how I feel. It's understandable because it's, I mean, like now I'm sitting here like comparing what, you know, what you said to what I said. I'm like, well, maybe one of the reasons I pointed out that I bought her food was like, Hey, you know, I'm doing a good job on this date. You know what I mean? Like, you're right. Like I'm like, I'm following all the rules, but it's like, maybe, you know, maybe if I had, maybe if we had split the date, she wouldn't have had to lie about her friend being sick she would have been like yeah this date sucks i'm gonna bounce you know but she's like i think that is like an unsaid thing that people don't talk about is when you go on a date 
the weird guilt level of the other person paying money to where it's like, like I said, if I don't want to see him again, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, I don't want him to spend his money because if he feels differently and I upset him, then he can be like, well, I can't believe she had me spend $50 on her because we went out to dinner. Like that is a weird thing, but it is how I feel. I'm like, I don't want to feel like I owe you something in a weird way. And I think a lot of women have a trouble like kind of expressing that. And I don't I don't feel good about it either. It's like, cause it feels insulting to a guy sometimes, but I was like, Hey, I just, I don't want you to feel like you wasted money when <laughs> I know I didn't want to go out with you again. Like it's a weird trade off. I don't know why I've done that, but I've just done that for like so long. So you have a lot of siblings, right? Yeah. I have five sisters and a brother. Is that so I, I said, I, you said you want to talk about family, and then I said I wanted to talk about roasting, and you were like, well, that kind of yeah. relates to my family dynamics thing, which yeah. I think is a pretty understandable sentiment, but what does that mean? Do you, you guys roast the shit out of each other a lot, or what? Yeah, we roast a lot. We roast the shit out of each other, and I, like, I do a lot of therapy, and I talk about my family a lot in therapy, and I, we are so bad about, like, really addressing major issues it's like kind of like the step for wives where it's like everything is swept under the rug until it just gets bad and so it's like in a weird way of like kind of bringing things up or acknowledging something you wouldn't like about someone it's like we would kind of do that thing where we would like in a joking way like roast them and bring it up and you know bring up something they did and say they're you know I don't know how to describe it. Like this oh, sounds like, so mean. It's like but aggressive. Like, you know what a it's aggressive. Is. Passive aggressiveness. Yeah, it's super passive aggressive. Yeah, but it also made you like it made me very creative. Yeah. With roasting. Well, you have to stick up for yourself in those situations. If everybody's in a, trapped in a box and they're all frustrated and they're roasting each other, you can't be the one person who doesn't who gets mad anytime the roast starts flying around. Like you cannot. You know that's the yeah. that's the person that loses. The person that tells like, hey, you know. Don't say yeah. that. You always want to be able to shoot back. So, I mean, but you you are a great roaster. Like, I have seen you <laughs> roast people. Um, uh, first off, um, what's the worst roast about yourself that you've ever gotten? Oh, okay. I can tell you. <laughs> and then um, after that, roast me. I want to. I want to know what you would have to say. Okay. Uh, the worst roast I ever got was that this is a roast batter, battle I did against Lawrence Rosales and who he's great at roasting anyways. Yeah, he is. And he said to me, he said, all of Emily's material is like Beyonce because her ex fiance cheated on her and everyone else writes it for her. Or something like that. You like compared me to Beyonce's Lemonade album. And I love Beyonce. <laughs> and it was very upsetting because it was also the truth. And so it hurt <laughs> about like the ex Beyonce. But like, cheating on I you? know, yeah, it was like that was very honest, but it's like I write my own material. So that wasn't what upset You're me. You're kind of but a group so writer, though, on. a little bit. You know, Liz did an episode of one of these and she said, yeah. She said, um, yeah, earlier today I was on the phone with another uh, comedian and she mm-hmm. called me and said, hey, let's write together. And I she goes, but I don't know if I need to say who it was because we I don't know. And I was like, yeah. oh, let me guess who it was. And it was you. <laughs> and I got to write on the first guess. 
Because I'm like, Emily's like, the only person I know that's like, let's hang out and we'll both have a notebook and then we'll both walk away with new jokes. Like, I nobody else is doing that. But you're you're very committed to that. You write with everybody. I feel like, and good for you. I mean, you're you're pop, you're pollinating kind of. It's like you're making some people's jokes better. Your jokes get a little bit better because. You know, it's just that fresh brain thing. It's not that you can't write your own material. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think it's fun. Like, I love picking people's brains and, like, understanding their perspective and the way that they just kind of see things. And, like, that quick back and forth, I think it creates a really strong rapport for, like, getting that punch that you feel, like, when you really want a line to hit. Mm -hmm. Like, when you just say it in that moment and you're talking to someone about the bit, I feel like it really solidifies how you think and feel about that thing. And so it's like makes whatever the funny thing you said like so much sharper. So like sometimes it's not even for you getting material out of another person, but explaining why the bit is funny to you, you come by yeah. more and more of like the fruit of the joke kind of. Yeah, absolutely. The fruit of the joke. And also it's just, I also learn what people think about me through the jokes that they say back to me, like when I'm talking about, like, cause they're trying to write <laughs> it from my perspective. That's so when they tell me what they think that is, then I'm like, oh, this is what this person thinks of me then. That's kind of like, Machiavellian is, approach. Yeah, it just more so it helps. And that's why I love roasting. And I always tell people, I'm like, if you should, if you want to do a roast and know what like people see you as, do a roast. Like, yeah. you, it will tell you what people think you are. And because when you do a roast, you're in front of so many people who don't know you personally, that it's like people have to say things that are right off the top of your head that anyone on the street could probably guess about you and make it really clever. So it's like a really nice big group exercise of trying to be like, this is how people see you. And it's fun. So I personally really like that. And I do learn a lot about myself with roasting. Okay. So with all that said, it's time. (laughs) Go ahead, roast me. Like... (laughs) <laughs> you when you said you were grumpy and I was like <laughs> my first thought was oh no because you look like Humpty Dumpty <laughs> like you just like you look like you just had a great fall like, I don't... <laughs> but it was like in my head I was like don't say that I'm like no but I think that's funny um I'm gonna find a particularly round looking picture of my face to put on the episode <laughs> please put the tiny little arms and body and sitting on a <laughs> Photoshop some brick wall and down <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. This is a great episode. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Thanks for asking me. 